0: Barash's Lech Lecha tells us the story of Abram Avinu going down to Mitzrayim. There was a famine, and therefore Abram goes down to Mitzrayim, and the Apostle tells us that Abram was afraid that Sarah's beauty would be a reason for her to get captured, kidnapped, by the Mitzrayim. Abram was afraid for his life. He says to her, if you understand that we're husband and wife, they're going to kill me to keep you alive. And therefore, Abram asks her to serve their brother and sister. But interestingly, surprisingly, Abram says the reason for that is not just that they should keep me alive. This is the second point. They'll be good to me. Rashi explains that to me, and they'll give me gifts. Which is surprising, to say the least. Abraham says to Sarah, Please don't say we husband and wife. Tell the Egyptians, your brother and sisters, so that they'll give me gifts. Why were the gifts so important to Abraham? The Malbim explains, now this was part of the, the so to speak, the story, that Abrahman story we're going to share. As we see in other places in Tanakh, if one wanted to ask for the hand of a lady in marriage, the way to do it was to give gifts to her relatives, so to speak, to convince her. So we find when Eliezer wants to take Rivka as a wife for Yitzchak, he gives gifts to Basil, to Lavan. And therefore the Malmum explains, that Abraham's strategy was to present himself as her brother, and is willing to hear offers for her, but he expected to put the bar so high of what he wanted for her that no one would be able to afford it. And therefore, what he was saying is that they give me gifts was part of the, so to speak, the plan he had in how to how to save his own life, but also how to protect her from being taken by the midstream because no one would be able to afford her. The problem we with that was Pari took her. And as a king, Pari had uh, much vaster resources. And if that's the case, so whatever Avram asked for, you could pay. And like we see see, I did enrich Avram, give him lavish gifts for Sarah. <coughs> that's the approach of the Mali. The difficulty with that is, at least according to Rashi, that Avram was scared that she would be taken for power. Avram was scared that Sarah's beauty was such, was so superior that people would say she's right for the king. So to say that Avram didn't expect Sarah, Para to be a potential suitor for Sarah is difficult. That's one question. But there's another question also. And that is, that would be the case. So what did Avram think was going to happen next? He would say that he was Sarah's brother. Sarah was available. Paru would take Sarah. Paro wouldn't think he's doing anything wrong even. Because as far as he's aware, she's a single lady. And then what's going to happen? Based on Avram and Sarah's deception, is going to want to marry Sarah. What's going to prevent that happening? So if you're going to say that what happened is, as it, what did happen, Hakodesh Baruch intervenes. He sends the Malach to punish the Egyptians to prevent them from marrying. So the question comes back: Was Abraham relying on that? Was Abraham planning that what he ha- hopes is going to happen is that at that stage? When Pariah wants to approach Sarah, the Malach will come, Hashem will send the issue. There's a question on that. And the question is, if Abram is relying on HaKadosh Baruch to intervene, if HaKadosh Baruch is there to protect him and save him, so why do we need the whole game? Why couldn't Abram just come to Mitzrayim saying, this is my wife, and relying on that Malach will save him and not let the Egyptians kill him? In other words, we're trying to understand, what was Abraham's plan? The idea of a plan being, I don't want to get killed, so I'm going to say Sarah is my sister, is a very short-lived plan. It only works if so people won't kill him. But now what's going to happen next is therefore people want to marry Sarah. How are you going to stop that happening? How are we going to stop that happening? And if the alternative is, well, we're relying on a Hashem to send the nice. So then we can run him in the Khatkhila. The next could be there, Shem will protect Avram to start with. And he doesn't have to risk, so to speak, Sarah being taken to to Pari's palace because the, the Malach can protect Avram even if he a husband and wife. One could think to explain Avram a simple answer. Based on the story in the Gemara and Kiddushin. The Gemara says in Kiddushin that in the base Medrash of Abaya, in Abayah's Yeshiva, there was a certain shade, there was a certain demon, a very fearsome demon with seven heads. And uh, it seems it could do damage, it could injure people who came into contact with it. And therefore, all the B'nai Yeshiva were scared of this demon. The Gemara says that Abaya heard that a certain, tani, a certain Amari, his name is Rabbi Yaakov, was coming to visit the town. And Rabbi gave an instruction to all his students, none of you invite him home. And Rabbi's plan would be that way, he would be forced to spend the night in the Besmejish, and he'd have to confront this demon who was there, and he was convinced that the merits of Rabbi Akhabar Yaakov were such that he would be able to defeat the demon. So you can imagine the scene, one of the Senior Gedolim comes to town, everyone of course comes to visit him, to greet him, to get a bracha from him, maybe to talk to him in learning. When it comes that time, no one invites him home. So the scholar Ravachava Yaakov, is forced to sit him by himself in the dark darkened base ledgers no one's left, and to meet the demon. And there was a seven-headed demon, the like Gemara tells us. Ravachava Yaakov, with whatever spiritual, so to speak, arsenal he had available to him, he manages to defeat the demon. And the next day he has complaints. Abba'i, the Roshiva, You endangered me. You left me in a place where I had to fight this demon and I could have I could have gotten injured by him. So why did Abba'i do it? The answer is Abai understood that if Akaba was such for him not a danger. We even say further, Abya must have thought that he didn't have the, the necessary spiritual level of standing to fight this demon, which he didn't do it himself. He was convinced Rebbechabar Yaakov could, and therefore he would be the one to be zeichot to do it. So in a similar sense, one can understand that was Abraham's cheshpon here also. One could say that maybe Abraham felt that a certain level Sarah was greater than he was. As the Apostle tells us, her prophecy was superior to him. Maybe in other areas also he felt she was greater than him. And therefore maybe he thought that if I'm the one being threatened, because my life, if I, I'm going to save my husband and wife, so I'm the one who's in danger of being killed, maybe Avram felt I don't have enough merit for that. I don't have enough merit to save my, so that Hashem will intervene to save me. But if it's a question of Sarah being threatened, because Parah or any other mitzvah will try to marry her, and then if she's not being threatened, maybe Avram felt she has more merit than I do. And therefore he was convinced that for himself he needed to find so to speak, some kind of explanation that they're not married to protect himself, but he felt when it comes to Sarah, she has the merits that she will protect her. It could be. There's something deeper than that. And that is Avram, as we know, was somebody who had already experienced a ace or him When he stood strong against Nimrod, and he was willing to be thrown into the furnace rather than bow down to a desire. So Avram was thrown into the furnace. And miraculously he emerged unscathed. So Avram is already somebody who saw that he was worthy of a nest. But there's something deeper. And that is Avram felt this him don't come for nothing. A doesn't come undeserved. It's true, Abraham had been to a but That was in reward for the mysterious nefesh that Ram Avinu displayed. He survived the fire of Nimrod because he was willing to be thrown into the fire of Nimrod. Hashem saved his life because he was willing to be most of nefesh on Hashem. And then, then, when a person has mysterious nefesh, he deserves a nest. But just on a ra- for a random, so to speak, incident, or an unrelated threat, maybe a person doesn't deserve a nest. And therefore, we can understand that Rome felt, if we're going to go down to Mitzrayim, and I'm going to we're husband and wife, the Mitzrayim are going to want to kill me. What mysterious nephesh has he shown in that circumstance to, to, to deserve America? Nothing. So maybe 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 he doesn't deserve the miracle. But what's gonna happen is that he's gonna say they're brother and sister. And as a result of that, Sarah's gonna get taken to the palace. And now she's going to have to exhibit Mr. nefesh to refuse the advances of Paroi. Now she's done something which will entitle her to the nest. She's shall nefesh and never shall deserve to be saved. So Monsieur Nefesh doesn't come just randomly. Uh, when this and don't come just randomly, there has to be so, uh, what a person does to deserve this. And therefore, Ram felt that Sarah's being strong in the new sign that she was going to face, that would be the the de to deserve theness. And therefore, when Sarah would refuse power, that when Hashem sends the Malach to, to afflict power in his household, and that what sort of eventually saves her. So we've already learned a certain new depth. Well, Abraham <coughs> expected that Sarah would be saved. But there's more than it. We can look at it even deeper. And that is, why did Abraham leave eretz Kanan? The answer was, there was a famine. And in a famine, he felt there was a syrcanist nefashas, there was no food to eat. So he felt compelled to leave. To go to Mitzrayim. And where did he go to? He goes to Mitzrayim. And he feels like going to Mitzrayim, he's endangering his life. Because in Mitzrayim, he's scared he's going to get killed. For, because Pari or anyone else would want to marry Sarah. So, why did he go? Why was this kedai, so to speak? Why was it the right decision to trade one example, one circumstance of the for a different one? Why was he allowed to put himself into the second of going to Mitzrayim where there was a real risk he felt to being killed? So really this is an opportunity to discuss a topic which applies to every incident which we learn about the life of the avos And this is just the case in point. We have a principle, which Chazal tells tell us, the Ramban elaborates on when it comes to the avos a principle called Maise Ovois, Simen Leban. The actions of the Ovois were, so to speak, laying the path, placing the foundations for what their children would later do. This wasn't on some random incident. Everything which happened to Avram Avinu, to Yitzchak, to Yaakov, to our Ovois, was really a precursor for what was going to later happen to Klai but it wasn't just meant to be, so to speak, for us, uh, something which we could learn or see in advance. It was much more than that. The others, by achieving what they achieved in their lifetimes, built into the genetic, so to speak, composition of cholesterol, that when cholesterol years or centuries or even millennia later, would be in that situation, they already have within them the latent potential and ability to confront the challenge and to overcome it. It had already been done. We're going to say more than this. That's why they called Ovis. They called fathers because they built, they already experienced, so to speak, everything which was going to happen to Klai And they already laid the foundations for Klai success. If, for example, if we talk about the struggle between Klai and the empire of Rome, That struggle had already been fought between Yaakov and Aesop. And Yaakov's original victory has already laid, so to speak, the foundations for Klaesha's eventual victory. We're just following the script which has already been, so to speak, determined by the conflict between Yaakov and Aesop themselves. And that's the same in everything. The Maeser Ovis, what the Ovis did was preparing, so to speak, the kernels which would flourish into the victory which Clausius would eventually experience. That it needed that spiritual input, that original energy that the obvious gave, so that Clausius, facing a similar circumstances, would have the wherewithal, would have the ability to be successful and to be victorious as well. Therefore, in that context, we have to see the idea of Abraham going down to Mitzrayim differently, and that is the idea of Mitzrayim of being a malchus, of world power. What that means? Why one nation rises to world domination? Why one country becomes the center point of finance, of politics, of commerce, of the power of the whole world? We understand. We know that there's seventy, sorry, there's seventy angels in Shemaim, each one a guardian angel over his nation. And the idea of a malchus means when a certain one of those angels is used as the conduit for the bracha from the Shefa from Shemaim, which is being given to all the others, and when that angel now becomes preeminent in the sense that he becomes the means through which all the other angels get what Hashem wants to give, then paralleling that, that nation becomes the superpower which determines, so to speak, the financial world or the economic world or the political world and all the other nations become vassals or subservient to that. And this is the first in the talking Daniel. When the angel of Babel rose, so the country of Babel became a world power. When the angel of Babel fell, then the civilization of Babel crumbled to dust. And each malchus in turn, each world power is because the nation, the sire of that nation was given that tafkid of being, so to speak, the recipients of all the shafa of Hashem which he then Distributed to the other other Sarim. That's the idea of Malchus. How do Klai Yisrael combat the other Amalchus? How do Klai Yisrael work to receive Shefa in their own right? To receive the Brach of Shemaim on their own and not through the means of whichever nation was given their prominence. And the answer is, Klai shall have to be victorious over that nation. And when they are, then they're able to take the Shafa for themselves. Now, being victorious over another nation, we don't mean in battle. Klai Yisrael are not meant to be mercenaries. And it's not that we see victory in the fact that we physically or militarily can overpower an enemy. The victory is in a different field. Every nation has its inherent Yetzirah, its inherent spiritual weakness. And that place and that culture glorifies that particular Yetzirah. And anybody under the sphere of influence of that civilization is likewise afflicted and affected by that Yetzirah. And therefore, the way to withstand the culture of a certain nation is to be able to be miscarbler on the Yetzirah of that nation. And in a place where this is the primary Yetzirah, this is the, so to speak, cornerstone of that civilization, it becomes extremely difficult to be in a place which is so contaminated where that particular wrath is so rampant, and be able to stand up to it. But it's only if one can stand up to it, then he's victorious. Then he's victorious. Then he's conquered, so to speak, that nation. And then, he takes the shepherd in its place. He's no longer subservient to the spiritual power of that nation. If he's broken the hold of the sahara over him in that particular area, he's broken his allegiance or his subservience to that side. It's an amazing concept on its own to think about. But I'm only saying this now, Derek Agav, because I'm trying to get back to the story of Abramabin. In the time of the Avos, until the time of Yetzirah reign, the ruling power, the most, the most powerful civilization of the time was Mitraim. All the Shefa came from Mitraim. We see in times of famine, like the Barthak says, Everyone came down to Egypt. That was the source of, of sustenance for the whole world. Klai Israel's sojourn in was there for them to be victorious over Mitraim. And as we explained, victory over Mitraim didn't mean physical battle. Victory over Mitraim meant victory over the weakness of Mitraim, over the Etahara of Mitraim. What was the Etahara of Mitraim? We know. The Apostle tells us clearly. Mithraim was a culture of rampant arise. Mitraim was a place of the most perversion of immorality. Mitzrayim is even called erva the Erev of the world. That was the inherent evil in Mitzrayim. And people who went into Mitzrayim would be influenced, affected by the Ra of Mitzrayim. You see, by Ramavino, he had traveled through many places with Sarah. And she was equally attractive and equally beautiful in all of them. It was only when it came down to Mitzrayim that Avram was scared that the immorality of the place was such that he'd be killed for her. But if that's the case, what did Avram have to do? What was the way to overpower Mitzrayim? And the answer is the way to overpower Mitzrayim is to stand strong, resolute against the Ra of Mitzrayim. That's what Avram is telling Sarah. How's it going to happen? If they're going to say they're married, Avram is going to get killed. There's no nisayan there. There's no opportunity to miscabron on but what daft could be to Avram saying that Sarah's his sister. And now Para tries to marry her. And Sarah is strong enough to stand up to Para. And refuses advances. That's the discoverers. That's the strength. Which will overcome Mitzrayim that's the point of victory when someone is able to withstand the Yatara of Mitzrayim it wasn't easy in this particular case Parah didn't even think he was doing something wrong as far as he knew Sarah was a lamb to him so Sarah couldn't even refuse his offers to become the empress of Egypt by saying it's forbidden why is it forbidden? he said you're his sister this was Sarah's nisayin, and as much as being turned to her custom, because Avram refused to worship Avraham it was Avram's nisayin. Standing after Par was Sarah's Nisayan. But it was necessary because it was tafka that point, which gave Klai Yisrael later, many years later, the ability to misgab Rav Mitzray. The Maisa, obvious Sarah's strength of resisting Arias was as deeply embedded into the psyche of Klai Yisrael as Avram's strength in resisting Avodah And this would later stand Klai Yisrael in a good state. Because when the Jewish people as a whole came down to Mitzrayim and the Jewish nation in its entirety needed to defeat Mitzrayim, the Midrash tells us, how were they able to do that? How is it possible that an entire nation, which had been enslaved, which had even been brought to worship of their desert, were able to remain completely pure in their morals? Were able to maintain their Kedusha so much that Hashem was prepared to give aid us that none of them fell for their for of our how is it possible? And the answer is, that was the influence of Sarah Iman. The Midrash said it in the first. is Sarah. The trailblazer. The one who first stood up to Mitzrayim. And imbued that strength for the Kedush of Klay Yisrael into, so to speak, the very fiber of Klay Yisrael. That gave Klay Yisrael later the opportunity to do the same thing on a much bigger scale. That's the mace of a similar body. It never wasn't just that Abraham was running from a family. Like we asked, why put yourself into a different iconic? It's Abraham understood. Clay Yisrael are going to have to confront Mitzrayim as the of, as the father of Clay Yisrael. He and Sarah are going to have to first give Clay Yisrael the ability to succeed they're going to have to first confront Mitzrayim. And their victory would lay the path for Klai Yisrael's victory later on. Like I said, if we're going to call Ur Kastim Avram's victory, Avram's mysterious nefesh, what bolts into the very genes of Klai Yisrael, the ability to stand up for Kiddush Hashem, to be willing to be subject to the sword or to the fire or to the Inquisition, not to relinquish Shemona, then what built into the fi- fabric of Klai Yisrael, the ability to be nef- Moshe Nefesh, for Kedusha, for purity, was Sarah's strength in the palace of Parah. And now we see an amazing thing. The question we asked before. Avram says that they'll give me gifts. Why are that interested? But we see a curious parallel. When it comes to the Brisbane sorry when Hashem tells Avram, your children are going to be strangers in a land not theirs, they're going to be subjugated, they're going to be enslaved, that was God is Mitzrayim, but in the end they'll go out with great wealth. Why was that the focus of what Hashem told him? And the answer is, that's the sign you've been successful. That's the sign you've been victorious. If you take the shepherd back from the host nation, it's a sign you've defeated them. Just as a parallel. Clay Yisrael's Nisoyen and Clay Klai Yisrael collectively did not succeed in. They were individuals. Clay Yisrael as a whole didn't succeed. And therefore we don't find that there was any redemption from God's as where we took the shepherd from bubble. When it came to Mitzrayim, the Navor was Klai Yisrael are going to be successful. Klai Yisrael will overcome Egypt. And the proof, they will take all the wealth of Egypt when they leave. They will empty out Mitzrayim, like the Pasek tells us. Yetu b'chush gadol. That's the sign of victory. And the victory of Klai Yisrael was, that they all withstood the temptation of our race. And Avram tells Sarah, That's what you're going to do also. This is your ability to build that strength into Kla Yisrael. And the proof of your success, that they're going to give me gifts. We're going to leave from Mitzrayim with tremendous wealth. Because that shows we overcame the rail of Mitzrayim and we got the shepherd from them. And that's the case. On their way down to Mitzrayim, Avram was poor. Rashi says, on the way back, he had to pay his debts. And when he came up from Mitzrayim, the Pazak tells us, Vavram Koved Mo'id. He was weighed down heavily with all the acquisitions of Mitzrayim. They asked the question. When it came to king of Stone, Avram didn't want his money. But Mitzrayim, he did. There are many answers. We can understand here another one. Stone wasn't a malchus Avram was trying to take from. Mitzrayim was. And therefore, the symbol of the victory over Egypt. Was that Ram came out with Matanis? He had taken the Shepherd from Machayim because he had been misgabber in the Rav Mitzrayim. He? Sara. This was Sara's Nisayin. This was Sara's greatness. And this was what she imbued into Klai Yisrael. The main Avos, which many years later, when Klai Yisrael found all of them, themselves, all of them in Machayim, and they were all confronted with this Nisayin, they already had the foundations of the ability to rise above to be victorious that's what Sarah planted within Klai Yisrael and that's what led to Klai Yisrael's final success when they left Mitzrayim triumphantly bearing all the spoils of Egypt and that's when the Malchus of Egypt ended I mean, this was just an example of Mitzrayim in truth if we understand this it applies to every goddess every Malchus in the world which is given that ability to be the source of shepherd for the whole world. It's there for Klay to defeat. And the way Klay Israel defeats it. Is by being discovered on the Yetzirah. On the Ra. Which is unique to that Malchus. When we can rise above. That Yetzirah Then we've defeated the spiritual Klay of that side. And the proof of that. We take all the shepherd from them. Klai Yisrael emerged victorious. That's the deeper lesson of Avram's travels in Mitzrayim. Of why Avram was willing for Paira to get the to Pari's palace. Why Avram said as a result we're going to come up with great wealth. It's also the understanding of where Klai Yisrael got that strength to be most enough for the condition of Klai And how Klai later were able to be miscobbered over Mitzrayim and emerge victorious.